You're listening to Radio Luke's List, and I'm your host, Steve Matthews. Thanks for joining me for episode 64. The title of tonight's episode is Pope Francis Simpatico with Big Tech Sensors Calls for More of the Same. Well, uh, before we get into all that, I just wanted to say uh, welcome to everybody on the live stream here this evening. Uh, it's always great to have you here. Um, I wanted to start off with something, to, uh, just a normal kind of introduction that I do here. Um, you know, I had a chance to go out and do some bike riding again today, and and the thing that, that's kind of amazing, it's kind of, well, interesting, I should say, about uh, the Cincinnati weather here over the last couple of days, is it's been really gray and dark. Um, it's almost been like, uh, it, it, the temperatures haven't been too bad, but you know, it's, it's been gray and dark, almost like the, the way you see it get in, uh, in January around here. Yeah. I, I was at, uh, at a Bible study this morning and, and one of the, uh, the men there at the Bible study, he made the point that when he was growing up and he grew up in Southern California, he said that when it was overcast, it rained. And when he moved to to Cincinnati, it's, it was very odd for him because you get these long stretches where you have these these gray days, these overcast days, you have all these clouds, but but they wouldn't do anything. There's no rain, no snow, no nothing. And and uh, yesterday, I guess we had a little bit of mist, but uh, boy, today, you know, it was just really gray. I mean, there was no rain at all, but you know, it was just uh, gray and overcast and uh, kind of depressing. I say it was it was very very dark. I think that's one of the things. You know, as we're getting, uh, of course, we're over a month into fall, and I know winter's not too far away. It's the dark that I hate more than anything else. Um, not even really so much the cold, although I don't like the cold. I'm not a big fan of winter, you know, but uh, but it's really the dark that bothers me. And uh, I don't know. I, uh, I wish there was a way of getting rid of that, but uh, I guess when you live in this particular latitude, um, well, that's just what you're going to get. <laughs> <laughs> That's just the way things are. So uh, yeah, it's, uh, it was dark and gloomy here today, but all in all, it's been a, a, a pretty good day. Hey, I wanted to uh, say one thing here this evening. I, I wanted to be the first one to wish you a happy Reformation Day, or maybe I should say a blessed Reformation Day. Maybe that's a, a better way of saying it. This October 31st, uh, all the pagans are going to call that October 31st, they're going to call that Halloween, but uh, um, Christians, we call that Reformation Day. And you know why do we call that Reformation Day? Well, that uh, October 31st, 1517, is when Martin Luther nailed his 95 theses to the door of the Wittenberg Church. So that... Uh, uh, his, is uh, historically seen as uh, kicking off the the Protestant Reformation, and that was a, a very uh, a seminal event, certainly in in history. Uh, it changed the world, and it changed it for the better. I I always love being able to go back and and read and study Reformation history for no other reason than you finally get a chance to see the good guys win. You know, in this this particular time we live in right now, it, it seems like it's all bad news. You know, I've I've talked to people that who whom I know, and and it, it's very interesting because several of them have made the point. They said, you know, I can't stand watching news because it's all bad, and and that's really true. I mean, there's really not a whole lot of good news out there. I mean, every every news report you read, every um you know, video you watch or, or what have you. I mean, it just seems like it's just, just bad news constantly, whether it's a collapsing economy, whether it's uh, some sort of uh, uh, social uh, type of an issue, um, or uh, you know, you've, you've got uh, the, the mass immigration on the border, you've got COVID lockdowns, vaccine mandates, people losing their jobs because they refuse to get vaccinated, and all this stuff going on. And 
it's um, it's it's not good news. But you know, when you read um, the the history of the Reformation, you see the good guys win, and and that's nice to see that. That's encouraging, and and of course, we know in the end that the good guys do win. But uh, sometimes you have to go through a lot of uh, well, a lot of difficulty to get there. And uh, it seems like we're entering a very difficult time right now. I, I certainly know as uh, as Christians that uh, things uh, appear to be on the way to getting worse, not better. Now I don't know what the future holds, so I don't want to. Uh, I'm not trying to say I know for sure what thing, what's going to happen. But I mean, you can look around and 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 uh, and see sort of the the gathering storm, if you will. Uh, you know, the Bible talks about this. It talks about there's a, a proverb. You know, it says a good man foresees trouble coming and hides himself. Uh, but the fool passes on and is punished. Uh, and it seems right now that uh, we're entering a, a time where there's trouble coming, you know, and, and we need to learn how to, uh, in a sense, uh, hide ourselves as Christians. We may very well have to. Uh, it, it's getting harder and harder to participate in mainstream society. And I hope it doesn't get to the point where we're driven out completely, but you, you just don't know uh, the way things uh, are going right now. And in fact, the title of tonight's episode, where I talk about how Pope Francis is simpatico with big tech censors and, and big tech censorship. And, and that's another way that, that we can see that, uh, you know, the, the things are kind of difficult right now. Um, it's, it's a difficult time. Uh, so anyway, as I said, I uh, wish you all a, a blessed uh, Reformation Day coming up on October the 31st. That's uh, in, a, in another week. And I wanted to say something here, too. This is kind of a, uh, give you a little bit of a sneak preview. The uh, Trinity Foundation is going to be hosting a, uh, a Reformation Day live stream, first ever Reformation Day live stream on, uh, on Saturday, 10th, uh, Saturday, uh, October the 30th. That'll be on Saturday afternoon. And, uh, it'll be at, uh, it'll be at, uh, at, uh, 2 p.m. Eastern time. In fact, here's a, uh, little screen share of the, uh, the announcement they have here. It says, announcing the Reformation Day live stream presentation, Mr. Timothy F. Kaufman will present the 504th Reformation Day message 2021, titled The Sands of Rome, live on the Trinity Foundation website and YouTube channel on Saturday, October 30th, 2021, 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern Daylight Savings Time. Mr. Kaufman's presentation will be about 90 minutes to be followed by a question and answer session for 30 minutes. Questions can be submitted in the comments section on the YouTube channel. So I'm really excited to, to be a part of that. I'll be doing uh, some of the moderation uh, for that uh, that particular program, and I really look forward to uh, Timothy Kaufman's message. Uh, he's someone, if, if you followed anything by the Trinity Foundation, you've probably heard his, his stuff. Uh, he's been a featured speaker at a number of their conferences. Uh, he's written uh, written several books. Uh, one called Geese in Their Hoods, another one's called Quite Contrary, and I think there may be a third one, but those are two that I know. And the uh, he's also uh, written several Trinity reviews as well. So if you follow the Trinity Foundation's work, that's uh, a name you should be familiar with. And uh, yeah, I'm really excited to uh, to be a part of that. So yeah, that's going to be coming up uh, in uh, in a week on Saturday. October the 30th, 2 to 4 p.m. And if you'd like to get a, a reminder about that or an email about that, you can go to the Trinity Foundation website and, and you can actually uh, register there um, to, uh, to receive uh, email notifications. It's right. You, you can do that right there on the homepage. So 
if, if that's something you think you'd be interested in, you'd like to get those, uh, those emails from Trinity Foundation, just go ahead and go to the, uh, the main uh, page there on uh, the Trinity Foundation website, uh, put your email in and sign up uh, to receive notices from the, uh, from the Trinity Foundation. So yeah, that's, uh, uh, that, that's exciting. Uh, to be able to uh, to have that coming up, I'm, I'm, I think that's going to be a great opportunity to to hear a message uh, about the uh, the Reformation. That's something I don't think we talk nearly enough about um, as Protestants. So, uh, moving on, I wanted to talk. About, this is sort of the I guess the main uh, story here tonight that I wanted to talk about, and the uh, the headline. This is a, a story I saw from. It was written by Paul Joseph Watson. And the on his uh, uh, his uh, news uh, news website called Summit News, the headline is this: It says Pope demands Silicon Valley in the name of God censor hate speech and conspiracy theories. Uh, Pope Francis thinks empowering giant corporations to silent free speech is godly. So let's read through the article a little bit, and we'll uh, comment on it here. It says, Pope Francis invoked God in an effort to pressure Silicon Valley giants into censoring more content, including hate speech and conspiracy theories. Yes, really. The Pope read the remarks during the uh, World Meeting of Popular Movements, a shadowy organization created to promote social justice and fight racism with the help of religious leaders. Quote, in the name of God, I ask the technology giants to stop exploiting human weakness, people's vulnerability for the sake of profits without caring about the spread of hate speech, grooming, fake news, conspiracy theories, and political manipulation, he stated. Pope Francis also invoked the term post-truth, which was invented by establishment media organizations after they began to lose their monopoly on controlling a narrative following the election of Donald Trump. The Catholic leader apparently believes it's Christian and godly to empower giant corporations to shut down free speech. Uh, This is no surprise given his previous stance on free speech in response to the slaughter of the Charlie Hebdo cartoonists, when he rhetorically sided with the terrorists who murdered them in cold blood. As we document in the video below, which Pope Francis would surely love to uh, see banned, the Supreme Pontiff smears his critics as performing the work of the devil. In relation to his every action and position has served to further the Antichrist globalist beast system for which he is a willing puppet. No doubt the Pope would respond to such claims by characterizing them as conspiracy theories and hate speech. Beginning to see how this works? So this is an interesting article, and it was, uh, it was picked up by uh, a good number of, uh, of other websites and, uh, and, and reposted. So there's a, a few things that I, I wanted to, to mention about all this. And that is, in the first place, it should come as no surprise that Rome would attack uh, the idea of free speech. Now, the Roman Catholic Church state, uh, being an authoritarian uh, monarchy, it's never supported free speech. And everywhere it's, it has the opportunity, it has suppressed uh, free speech. You know, you think back in the Middle Ages, I mean, if you, ex- if you express disagreement with the church's teaching, uh, and you said so, or uh, publicly, or you, you wrote something that was uh, disseminated, you know, you'd find yourself in a receiving end of some very nasty business. You know, cancel culture was not invented in the 21st century. Uh, cancel culture existed in the Middle Ages, and uh, it was cancel culture, and it was cancel culture with a vengeance. You know, I mean, if if you um, went against the church's teaching, you know, you'd find yourself uh, on the end, on the receiving end, some very nasty business, uh, being tortured and, and being killed, and and that's that's how the Roman Catholic Church worked in the Middle Ages. You know, think of all the persecutions of the uh, of the reformers in the 16th century, for example. Uh, 
Um, I've got a few quotes here, and I think it's it's very interesting to to see how you know we have this idea, we have this assumption, uh, particularly as Americans, or if you happen to live uh, in a country in the West uh, that was influenced by the Reformation, we have this idea that um, you know that, that free speech is, is is something that's pretty normal, but it's it's actually not. I mean, if you look historically at what has has transpired. It's been exactly the opposite, and the free speech that we do enjoy, and this is something that even uh, many Christians miss. This is something that flows out of the uh, the biblical doctrine of the of uh, justification by faith alone. I've got a, a few uh, quotes here. I wanted to read you from John Robbins. He talks about this. Uh, the first one is from his book uh, Freedom and Capitalism. And he said this, the importance of the individual, rooted in the Reformation's recovery of the Bible's doctrines of individual election, individual regeneration, individual justification, individual sanctification, individual responsibility before God at the final judgment, personal personal immortality in heaven or hell, justification by belief alone in the priesthood of all believers, is a basic value of American society. From it are derived all the various individual freedoms and protections we enjoy. Religion, press, speech, association, privacy, private arms, no self-incrimination, trial by jury, no double jeopardy, and freedom of contract. So the, the uh, scripture's emphasis on the individual is translated politically into individual rights. And one of those rights that, that we cherish certainly as Americans is, is the right of free speech. But that right is constantly under attack. And it's, it's under attack in particular in our own time by big tech. I mean, you think about all of the, the people who have been canceled on big tech, people who have had their accounts either suspended or they've been shadow banned or, or permanently banned altogether. The president of the United States, former president of the United States, Donald Trump, he's been banned from social media. Now, whether you like Donald Trump or you hate Donald Trump, that should bother you. Because Donald Trump, um, you know, what he did, I mean, he's been banned simply because of his opinions. He's been kicked off of, uh, of all of the major social media platforms. And this is the president of the United States. And, if they, and of course, the message in all of that is if they can kick the president of the United States off of social media, well, they can kick you and me off of social media. You know, I mean, if, if, if the president of the United States uh, is, is subject to, uh, to cancellation by YouTube and by Facebook and Twitter and, and some of these other big tech outfits, well, so are you and, so are you and, uh, uh, you and I. We're subject, uh, we're subject to that as well. Um, here's another, uh, another quote, and this is also from, uh, from John Robbins. This is from his book, Ecclesiastical Megalomania. And he's talking about the, the Roman Catholic Church's attitude toward censorship. You know, this, this, uh, this article by, uh, Paul Joseph Watson, and I don't want to be too hard on Paul Joseph Watson because he's actually one of the very few people that reported it. In fact, he was the first one and, um, most of the other examples, uh, like if you search the internet, you search this particular story, it, it's just reprints of the work that he did. So I wouldn't even have known about this if it weren't for or, for his work. So I really appreciate his his publishing this. Um, but there's a few things that, that seem to surprise him. He seems to be surprised by the idea that the Pope would actually come out and support censorship. 
But again, you know, this is something that the Roman Catholic Church has always practiced. This is not some some new thing. It's not something uh, fresh and new with with uh, Pope Francis. But I mean, this is historically what Rome has done. And I'm going to read you a selection here. This is from the, a book by John Robbins, John W. Robbins, called Ecclesiastical Megalomania. Uh, I'll just go ahead and read it. It's about a paragraph here. Quote, to cite but one example, the church state's treatment of the Bible itself. The present canon law of the Roman church, uh, church state provides that writings to be published by the Christian faithful, which touch upon faith and morals, must be submitted to their bishop's judgment. Even the Bible is not exempt from the totalitarian control of the Roman church state at the extraordinary present time. Books of the sacred scriptures cannot be published unless they've been approved either by the Apostolic See or by the Conference of Bishops. For their vernacular translations to be published, it is required that they likewise be approved by the same authority and also annotated with necessary and sufficient explanations. These are not the rules of the 13th century. They are the present present canon law of the Roman church state. Under pressure from freedom-loving peoples of the world, the church state has yielded a little on censorship. But even at the end of the 20th century, it outlaws the publication of the Bible unless approved by the Pope and accompanied by necessary and sufficient explanations. The Roman church state dares to censor God himself. So, you know, Rome, <laughs> you know, I mean, if, if Rome's going to censor God, um, you know, certainly the Pope is, is going to have no problem censoring you and me. And uh, in fact, here's a, uh, this is in a footnote from Ecclesiastical Mania, and I'm, I'm going to read this. This is a statement from uh, Pope Leo XIII, uh, way back in 1888. So we're going back, you know, what, 133 years here at this point. Um, quote, from what has been said, it follows that it is quite unlawful to demand, to defend, or to grant unconditional freedom of thought, of speech, of writing, or of worship, as if these were so many rights given by nature to man. It likewise follows that freedom in these things may be tolerated whenever there is just cause, but only with such moderation as will prevent its degenerating into license and excess. Liberty is to be regarded as legitimate only insofar as it affords greater facility for doing good, but no farther. End quote. So, you know, what, uh, you know, Rome is, is willing to, you know, to put up with a certain amount of free speech. You, know, you notice here in that particular paragraph from Leo the Thirteenth, it likewise follows that freedom in these things may be tolerated whenever there is a just cause. So, you know, when when the Roman Church state can't enforce its uh, full full censorship, you know, yeah, it's it's willing to let some things slide. Um, but you know, when Rome has the ability to do so, it's going to crack down and crack down hard. And I mean, and you can see this right from Pope Francis. I mean, all and, and all he's doing, all Pope Francis is doing, is just behaving and speaking uh, in a way that all the popes, the, all the antichrists prior to him have spoken. You know, when we talk about antichrist, of course, we're talking about an office. You know, the the you know antichrist is not a single individual. Antichrist is an office. It's the office of the papacy. Pope you know, Pope Francis is the current occupant of that office. Therefore, he is the current antichrist. Um, who's uh, who's out there, and he's simply just bu- going and building on the the traditions and the statements of uh, of previous antichrists. Um, and one thing that was a, a little, very interesting, this really grabbed my attention here, is right toward the end of this particular um, the article by Paul Joseph Watson. He says this. Um, 
In reality, his, he's talking about uh, Pope Francis, he says, in reality, his every action and position has served to further the Antichrist globalist beast system for which he is a willing puppet. Well, again, and and this is something where um, Paul Joseph Watson, and I don't know what his, his views are, you know, religiously, I, I I don't know. I don't believe he is a Roman Catholic. Uh, he may not be, you know, he may be an atheist or an agnostic or something. I I, I don't know for sure. Um, but he has this idea somehow that the the Pope, the Pope Francis, is sort of a puppet. You know that that he's kind of a victim. That he's uh, just being used by these these forces, these globalist forces that are trying to uh, to stifle our free speech. What he and this is clearly wrong. He, Paul Joseph Watson does not understand what he's dealing with when he's talking about the Pope. The Pope is not a puppet. Um, the Pope is the puppet master. Okay. I mean, this is the thing that you have to remember. Um, and, and I hope maybe some of those quotes I gave you from John Robbins uh, kind of highlights this. I mean, the idea that um, that the the Roman Catholic Church has ever supported free speech is is ridiculous. They they, they never have. You know the idea of of free speech, of constitutionally guaranteed free speech, that's in, that's enshrined in our constitution. That is a product of the Protestant Reformation. It is not the product of Rome. Uh, liberty is not something that's not a strong suit of the Roman Church state. Uh, they don't believe in liberty. They never have believed in liberty. And it's it's interesting to see people, you know, write things like this and talk about the Pope as a puppet. The Pope is not a puppet. Uh, like I say, the Pope is the puppet master. He's the master of puppets. I guess that that was a uh, an album by uh, by Rush. I guess way back in the day. I guess I'm showing my age here. It's called Master of Puppets. Um, I think that was the uh, the name of one of their albums. Anyway, I don't know why I just thought about that. Um, so yeah, th- this is one of the things that in Paul Joseph Watts. I mean, I guess you would call him a, an alternate journalist, and he's done a lot of. You know, he's a guy. He's he's really kind of an iconoclast. I mean, he he goes after a lot of the the contemporary uh, woke ideas. I mean, he's not afraid to criticize feminism or criticize critical critical race theory or go after the uh, the, the COVID stuff or you know the the lockdowns, restrictions, mandates for vaccines. These all these kinds of things. I mean, he's willing to to go after that stuff, and a lot of what he says is quite good. But but he he has a blind spot here. And and unfortunately, this is true in generally in in most of the you know sometimes what's called the alternate media, or some people call it the truth media. You know that is independent journalists that who do work uh, commenting on the news. This is a, something that I've noticed, and I've, I've followed a number of these people. And this you you can get some good information out of them. Um, they can write some good stories. This is a good story. I mean, I, I appreciate the fact that Paul Joseph Watson put this out. I would not have known about this if it weren't for the work that he did. Um, it, this was carried by almost none none of the mainstream uh, news organizations uh, in the United States co- covered this. I mean, the only, uh, the only appearances I found of this are on alternate news sites. So it's great that he wrote this and he put this out there, but you know it, it also at the same time shows some of the weakness in in the way in, in in the way people understand or perhaps more accurately misunderstand uh, the papacy. You know, the papacy is the office of antichrist. It is the antichrist. Uh, you know, Pope Francis is the antichrist. He's not a puppet of the antichrist. He's not a puppet of the beast system. He's the one that's running this whole show. Um, you know, the, uh, the Roman Catholic Church is the premier 
globalist organization in the world. And, and they've been pushing for world government for the longest time. I mean, what they want to do, you know, think about Europe in the Middle Ages. You know, you, you couldn't breathe <clears throat> without getting permission from the Pope. And what they want to do is they want to scale that up, um, you know, from, from, just, from just Europe, and they, they want to impose that on the entire world. That's the goal. Now, I don't know, um, maybe they don't get there. But that's the goal. You know, that, that is, is uh, there's no question about it that that's what they're driving for. So uh, let's move on here. And I wanted to talk about a, uh, another, uh, this is actually a closely related item here. Um, <clears throat> since we're talking about the Pope and censorship, um, here's a, this is a headline in Breitbart. Joe Biden plans Vatican meeting with Pope Francis on October 29th. So, you know, here in just another six days, um, our president is going to go uh, see his boss, uh, Pope Francis, and I guess get his marching orders. So if, if you read through here, it says, President Joe Biden will meet Pope Francis in Rome on October 29th, despite criticism from Catholics about his position on abortion. Okay, so, so this, is a, this is kind of a silly thing. There's been some noise here over the past few months. Oh, you know, that... Uh, they're going to withhold communion from Joe Biden because, uh, you know, because he he's pro-abortion and and of course, you know, the uh, the bishops and the popes and that they they make a pretense of saying, well, that they they are not, uh, you know, they they do not support abortion. And you know, and, and there's been uh, been some noises from the U.S. Catholic bishops in this. Oh, well, you know, we're 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 going to withhold communion from him. And of course, the Pope Francis actually a few months back made very explicit order. He said, "Don't withhold communion." And, and of course, he's not going to do that because you know Joe Biden is is his obedient uh, is his obedient puppet. You know, we were talking about puppets before. Well, Pope Francis is the puppet master, and and Joe Biden is the puppet. I've talked about this before. About I wrote uh, a blog piece a few weeks back called "The Political Romanism, Political and Economic Romanism of Joe Biden." And if you look at Joe Biden's um, political program, whether it's on immigration, whether it's on COVID, whether it's on uh, climate change. All he does is just echo what the Pope says. I mean, essentially, you know, what, what you're, you're getting from Joe Biden is, is uh, Pope Francis' political program. You're getting a heavy, strong, undiluted dose of good old-fashioned political Romanism. That, that is what, uh, what you get out of Joe Biden. Uh, you know, so, I mean, he's going over to meet his boss. You know, I, I think that that's entirely fair to say that. And so go, let, let's look down through here. Um, Oh, let's see. Uh, let's see. From Italy, he's scheduled to travel to Glasgow, Scotland uh, for the COP26 Climate Change Summit. So he's going over uh, first to meet with the Pope. Then he's going to go over to this atrocious climate change summit in which they're going to try to impose more globalism, more taxes, more economic restrictions uh, on uh, both the American people and, of course, uh, other people in the West uh, because they want – because <clears> – <throat> According to all the globalist types, it's a global problem that needs needs a, a global solution, which means that uh, we're going to get run over by more globalist bureaucrats if these people get their way, and they will be richer, more powerful, and you and I will be poorer and uh, lose more of our liberty. Uh, so here's here's kind of the the key paragraph here in this uh, this particular. Uh, 
story here at Breitbart says, they, it's talking about the Pope and, and Joe Biden, will discuss working together on efforts grounded in respect for fundamental human dignity, including ending the COVID-19 pandemic, tackling the climate change crisis, and caring for the poor. Read the announcement from White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki. So there's there's three main things it looks like they're going to talk about. Um, uh, maybe four, I guess. Uh, it says grounded respect for human dignity, uh, including ending the COVID-19 pandemic. Okay, well, one of the things both Pope Francis and Joe Biden believe in is they believe in forced vaccinations, lockdowns, mask mandates, and all of the other COVID tyranny that has been imposed uh, throughout the world. They love this stuff. Um, you know, uh, Joe Biden doesn't think twice about uh, getting people fired from their jobs if they won't take this uh, this particular shot that, uh, frankly, has uh, some very, very nasty side effects to it. It kills people. And uh, so, I mean, that's an issue there with uh, with Joe Biden and, uh, and the Pope. They both agree on uh, on massive covid tyranny. Uh, then there's tackling the climate crisis. So, I mean, what that means is imposing massive fines, punishments, taxes, restrictions, regulations of all sorts on uh, on the American people um, in order to uh, alleviate a fake problem. You know, this is another fraud, another lie, uh, another bunch of rubbish uh, that the globalists have been using as a tool to push on us um, for decades now. I mean, I remember this stuff going back, you know, the ecology, they used to call it the ecology movement was what it was known as, uh, I guess, maybe about 50 years ago when all that first started to get going. I, I guess it was in what, maybe the late 60s, early 70s. Um, there was that fellow, uh, was it Paul Ehrlich, I think it was, that book he wrote, The Population Bomb. And that seemed like it really kicked off the whole, uh, uh, you know, as they called it back then, ecology movement. And of course, it's progressed, you know, global warming or environmentalism, you know, now it's climate change. Uh, but it, it's really all of, all of a piece. And, and, and it's all uh, anti-industrial. It's all anti-freedom. It's all anti-liberty. Um, it's all anti-national sovereignty. It's uh, all pro-globalism. Um, and it, it's all a bunch of hooey. Um, it's a fake crisis, just like so many other things that are occurring are a fake crisis. But, uh, but yeah, they, uh, that, that doesn't stop them from pushing us. And then, of course, the final thing they talk about and caring for the poor. Well, what that means is socialism. You know, that, 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 that's what that means. That, that is socialism. And that also includes mass welfare migration. So all of this, uh, this, uh, this massive uh, influx of immigrants, migrants, refugees, illegal immigrants, what have you, uh, that's flooding the United States, you know, this is something that is a, you know, it's, it's a practical effect of political Romanism. It's what that is. Um, the Pope loves that sort of thing. And of course, so does his, uh, uh, his puppet, uh, Joe Biden. Joe Biden loves that sort of thing as well. And he's dutifully carrying out... Uh, uh, Il Papa's uh, immigration program uh, and uh, destroying the United States of America in the process. Uh, so you can see a little bit here about uh, pro-abortion Biden receives cold shoulder from Catholic lay group. Well, you know, again, none of that really matters uh, because you know nothing is going to happen to him. They're going to make sure that he will not be embarrassed. Um, by uh uh by the church and in fact if you read down through the article here 
Um, it says here in June, the USCCB, that's the U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops, voted to draft a formal statement about Catholic public figures receiving the Eucharist despite openly defying church teaching on abortion. Biden indicated he was not concerned about the bishops denying him the Eucharist. That's a private matter, and I don't think that's going to happen, he said. And Pope Francis has appeared more lenient on the issue of public figures receiving communion despite their vocal support of abortion. Communion is not a prize for the perfect. Communion is a gift, he told reporters in September, cautioning bishops to manage the process pastorally. In other words, all of that is just a bunch of theater. You know, they, you know, the, the, the bishops can get uh, worked up in their high dudgeon and, oh, this, this is terrible, terrible, terrible. They're, they're not going to do anything to embarrass their, their main man, Joe Biden, in the White House. They won't do it. It's not going to happen. It's phony. Uh, anyway. So uh, let's take a look here. And I see someone uh, asked me a question. He says, it's an interesting dance on abortion, but how did Biden and the Pope, as well as Pelosi, reconcile millions of deaths with, well, let's just agree to disagree. Well, I, I in my own opinion, I, I don't think that the, the Roman Catholic magisterium really cares about abortion. Uh, I mean, if you look at, at the, the Roman Catholic Church historically, um, depending on, on who you talk to, but there are credible historians out there who have, have argued that uh, Rome has, has killed, you know, the activities of the Roman church state over the centuries have amounted to killing roughly, I don't know, I, I've seen figures as high as 59 million people. Uh, I mean, Rome, uh, Rome murders. Rome is a murderous organization, and it has been for centuries. So I, I, I have no reason to think that they're very serious about the abortion issue. Now, I think individual Roman Catholics are. I mean, I think that there are individual Roman Catholics who really do care about that. But no, I, I don't think the cardinals and bishops and, and uh, you know, popes and priests and all of these people. No, I, it's, I, I think that that is uh, an issue that they like to have. But I, I don't think it's something that um, that that they're really serious. I mean, they want the issue; they don't really want a solution. Uh, it, it's an act. Uh, so let's see here. Oh, the next thing I wanted to talk about: yes, our economy is a mess, and it's all COVID's fault. So this actually kind of ties in because, of course, Pope Francis and Joe Biden both love both. Not only they they love to lock everybody down; they love vax mandates. They love uh, mask mandates. They love lockdowns. They love all of these things that destroy our economy. But then they turn around and they say, "Oh, well, it's COVID's fault." Well, that's a bunch of hooey. And let's uh, let's read through this uh, just a little bit through uh, this. This is a Washington Post uh, uh, opinion. Uh, letter. It says, opinion, don't rant about short staff stores and supply chain woes. So we go through here. And it's an opinion by uh, Micheline Maynard. It was written October 18th. So yeah, I guess what, five days ago. She says, for more than a century, business experts have been trying to dial up the United States efficiency. Ever since Frederick Taylor published The Principles of Scientific Management in 1911, companies have focused on doing things more quickly and raising consumers' expectations as a result. But Taylor's ideas didn't take into account the havoc a pandemic might do to supply chains. And that would blunt what a few months ago seemed like a looming resumption of modern daily life's zippy pace. Okay, so let's stop right there. And, and this is the thing that absolutely drives me nuts about um, so much of the reporting on, on COVID and, and the, pand the so-called pandemic and, and the, the economic problems that, are, is, that result from that. It says, 
I'll read it again here. But Taylor's ideas do not take into account the havoc a pandemic might do to supply chains. Okay, so let's stop right there. The pandemic had nothing to do with the supply chains. COVID did not in any way, shape, or form affect the supply chains of the world. What affected the supply chains? Government's uh, tyrannical overreaction to COVID. That's what affected the supply chains. It's the activities of the political class, of the intellectual class, at the, with the urging of the, um, the, uh, the, the uh, journalists and in the mainstream media uh, cheerleading these, these people along. They have imposed an absolutely appalling tyranny on the world over the past uh, roughly two years. And it, it's gotten to the point where, you know, things are becoming very obvious that our economy is struggling. You know, we've got empty shelves. Uh, you know, we have uh, long delays in trying to get very basic things. You know, you've, you've probably experienced that yourself. Or if you go to the store, you know, you have, you know, you're paying substantially more for items than you, than you did in the past. You know, and all of this really comes out of all of the restrictions, the money printing, the, uh, the lockdowns. Uh, they have destroyed liberty. They have destroyed, and as a result, they've destroyed supply chains. And, and this has been done by the politicians. This was not done by COVID. COVID had nothing to do with this. Um, and, and it's, it's a, it's a dodge. It's a lie. It's a misdirection. Anytime you see someone, I mean, this is the Washington Post. And of course the Washington Post is an establishment organ and, and they're going to, they, they take that stance. It's all COVID's fault. No, it's not. It's not COVID's fault. It's the politicians that imposed the tyranny. It's their fault. That's who did this stuff. Um, one last thing I wanted to mention here, and this is uh, been, uh, one of the, the focuses that uh, that I've written on and, and, and spoken on here over the past few years is the whole uh, the whole immigration thing, and the uh, the Biden administration has created a has deliberately, willingly uh, created a an immigration disaster uh, uh, on our southern border. And and of course he's just carrying out the program of the Roman Church state. He's carrying out the program of his boss in the Vatican, Pope Francis. And uh, here's a very dramatic. I'm just, this is a, a not that long. It's about two minutes. I'm not going to play all of it. But this is in Mexico, and you're, you're going to see a line of uh, Mexican uh, police here under the bridge and getting overrun by this massive. Uh, migrant caravan. And this is what's coming to the United States. So this isn't over. It's probably going to get worse. So uh, let's let's watch this. So yeah, that's what we've got coming our way. Um, that's uh, making its way through Mexico right now, and and you know I I don't know how many people are in this particular caravan, but it looks uh, looks pretty huge, thousands of people uh, at the very least, 
and uh, and this is what's on our way. And uh, this is uh, what uh, what some uh, people who have been coming uh, they they call it La Invitacion, La Invitacion, and. Uh, of course, you know, you, I don't think you really need to know a whole lot of Spanish to, to translate that. It's the invitation. Yeah, you remember last, uh, I guess, well, I guess it's been two, close to two years now. There was, uh, they were having that, uh, it was one of the Democratic presidential rebates, uh, debates. And, and I think the question was put to the, uh, put to the candidates, you know, uh, who among you, you know, favors giving, um, uh, health benefits, health care, free, uh, government health care, to uh, to illegal immigrants, and every single one of the the people on stage, including Joe Biden, put his hand up, and and Joe Biden has made numerous statements and and taken numerous legislative legislative actions in his short time in office. Um, that anyone who looks at this knows that he's opening up the border and inviting massive, massive illegal immigration into the United States of America. And I think there's a few reasons for that. I mean, number one, as I said, he's he's obeying his boss in Rome. They want to, to Romanize America through through massive uh, legal, illegal uh, migration, immigration, refugee resettlement, what have you. So, I mean, you've got that going on. Uh, he's importing a constituency, of course. I mean, what, these are all future Democrats of America. I mean, that's what he's doing here. He's importing a constituency. So you have that going on. Um, so, I mean, those are at least, those are, those are two major reasons right there. Um, I think there can be other reasons. Uh, this particular, um, video was posted by a gentleman named Griff Jenkins. He's, uh, he's with Fox News and, uh, you know, there, there've actually been some very good reporting from Fox News on this. Uh, Bill Malugin is another guy that's, uh, uh, put out a lot of good stuff. And I'd, I'd very, I'd, if you have a Twitter account, and I, I really would recommend that you get one if you don't have one, because despite all of the bad stuff that's come out of social media, there's, there's still a lot of good information that you can find uh, on some of these major social media platforms. And, and Bill Malugin's done some exceptionally good reporting about um, all of the bad stuff going on on the border, on the, the U.S. southern border. So I would recommend following uh, Bill Malugin as well. All right, so let's see. Well, how are we doing on time here? Well, that's about, uh, that's about 41 minutes. Well, I'd say that's probably about good enough here for this evening. So uh, I'm glad we had a chance to, to go through some of that. Um, and uh, as I said, you know, the, uh, the, in, in about a week, we're going to be celebrating Reformation Day. So I would really encourage you to, you know, if, if you haven't studied the Reformation, go find... Uh, uh, go find some things to uh, to read on that. In fact, um, probably what I should have done, and maybe what I'll do, I might post a link or two uh, of a couple articles in the in the show notes here. Um, that uh, maybe good things to read if you haven't had an opportunity to read about the Reformation. I would would encourage you to do so because it uh, it was uh, it, it's you you can't understand our current civilization without understanding that because our current civilization, what we call Western civilization, is really the product of the Protestant Reformation. It's a, it's a great blessing to be able to live in such a, uh, a, uh, a civilization, even though it's in very serious trouble uh, and uh, things aren't looking very good right now. Uh, so anyway, thank you very much for, uh, for uh, listening tonight. I appreciate that, and everybody on the live stream and for anybody uh, uh, listening to the podcast, thank you so much. Until next time, may the Spirit of Truth guide you in all truth as you read and study God's Word. Good night, everybody.